Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Matt Chat. This is David Mericatani. My guest today is the man behind Journeyman Wrestling, one of the most selfless, hardworking guys in wrestling, an army of one, and a 2018 inductee into the New York chapter of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, Frank Papalizio. Frank, welcome to the show. Hey, happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. For sure. First of all, congratulations on your induction into the state chapter. That's awesome. I appreciate it. It's uh, It feels good, you know, for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Who else is going in with you? Uh, we got a couple. Uh, it's actually a lot of upstate guys, guys that have been um, my contemporaries and um, guys that, you know, just worked with. Uh, there's, a, there's a few of us, so I don't want to leave anybody out if I start naming sure. names. It's going to be a cool evening for you guys, I'm sure, right? Yes, it's going to be exciting. It's um, you know, it's always good to celebrate stuff like that, um, hard work, and to recognize people's time and and legacies, essentially. Uh, for me, I I look at it like I still have a lot to do, and I'm still motivated. So even though it's a lifetime achievement award, I don't want to get. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to get. I don't want I don't want it to be something like a. You know, like to rest on my laurels there. I want to well, actually motivates me, to be quite honest. Yeah, they can't retire you yet. You got work to do, man. <laughs> I, I actually had a chance to do the induction speeches for my mother and father, so they're in the Missouri chapter. So it's it is a very cool thing to watch. So what uh, what an awesome experience that had to be. Yeah, the the joke is what that people's number one fear is public speaking, and number two is death. So. Um, you know, people people would rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy. So I had to write up some notes and, and wade my way through it. Um, but, yeah, I think I did okay. Uh, nobody booed, so it was all right. So. And, and you're good at it. I mean, you're good at talking. You got a gift. The gift of gab, right. So, anyway, um, I was doing research on you, and, and we got to talk, you know, last weekend. But I really didn't find anything on how you and your brothers got started in wrestling. So why don't you tell me a little bit about that? Well, I actually, it's a great story. And the, and the timing to talk about it is, uh, is outstanding. Um, my mentor and my brother Pat's mentor, along with many other people was Joe Benna. Joe Benna was the winningest coach out of New York state for many, many years. Just recently he was uh, passed by, by another gentleman, but he, he held that record for many years. And he was truly one of the best coaches of all time of any sport. It, it didn't happen. It just happened to be wrestling. But the way it worked was I was at a birthday party in seventh grade, and I was at this party with John Benna, Joe Benna's son. We were the same age, and we were just, you know, at – at a birthday party together, just by happenstance. And when John was to be picked up by his dad, I happened to answer the door. And when I opened the door, he said, hey, I'm Joe Benna, what's your name? And I said, I'm Frank Papalizio. And it's like a light bulb went off. And he's like, Papalizio, you got some relatives that wrestle. <laughs> I, I do? I did, I had, you know, I didn't know what the hell was going on at that point. And he said, you sure do, and you got to, you guys have a rich tradition in, in the sport. And he was alluding to the fact that my cousin Severino and, and Pat Papalizio, not my brother Pat, but our cousins who had immigrated from Italy 
back in like the 1968-69 were outstanding wrestlers in New York State and then went on to wrestle at Penn and Boston University. Subsequently, Seb is in the, the Hall of Fame for, for BU, one of, the, uh, one of two wrestlers ever to be inducted there. So um, I didn't even know that. I didn't know that much about my family background with, with wrestling at that point. I was really ignorant. But he, he was on me like a dog on a bone, and that started our journey um, into wrestling. He pulled me in. Uh, he became like a father to me, and uh, he just recently died uh, a month or so ago. And mm-hmm. it was like it, it's an end of an era, but I had the great fortune to spend, oh, I don't know, 30 plus years under his tutelage and not just as a competitor, but as a coach and my brothers, my cousins, all of us come from that branch and uh, we've been pretty blessed with it. So that's the story. That's an awesome story. And um, I'm sure, you know, he's, I talk to people all the time that have my dad as a coach and, you know, they're coaching trees, guys like Joe Benna and Ron Maricatani, the, it's not just the good they did, but, you know, the good that comes out in people like Pat Papalizio, Frank Papalizio, you know, all the people I saw running around Iowa City that, you know, used to wrestle for my dad. It's, it's pretty cool. That's, that's true. It's, uh, there's really no greater legacy you can have uh, than to be able to inspire people and, and adjust their life. One of Joe Benna's last champions or last guys – was, is Nick Wisdowski, and if you ever speak, <laughs> Nick, that's, a, that's uh, a good one to be one of your last yeah. guys. Yeah, <laughs> jeez, <laughs> if you, if you, <laughs> hit a home run on the way out of town. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Nick, uh, Nick was significantly impacted by Benna, and here's a guy. You know, he 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 died in his late seventies, and he he was at the game for for fifty years. And you could find people that were early in the journey and find people that were late in the journey that he he had an impact on. And the thing that we Nick and I discussed, what made him so great, is that he remained relevant. Yeah. He remained impactful for 50 years. He could relate to me, and then when he's in his late 70s, he's relating to Nick. Yeah. And I – I find that spectacular because sometimes we get caught in, you know, an era mm-hmm. and it's hard for people to evolve. But this guy was, he was, he was great. Literally great. That's the word. Great. Yeah. I love the phrase real recognizes real. And I think that applies to guys like Joe Benna, you know, where, you know, the, the greats of this era recognize a guy like that. And, you know, the greats speak the same language, you know, I mean, I just, I just got goosebumps. I, was thinking back at his wake and people had to wait three and a half hours to pass his casket. Yeah. Three and a half hours. They stood outside just to pass through to say goodbye. That speaks volumes of uh, what kind of man he was. Yeah. There's nothing to add to that. Yeah, for sure. God bless him. Well, there's no, no easy segue from that, but I think most people (laughs) know that Pat, is your younger brother and the head coach at NC State. And we're going to spend most of the time talking about what you're doing. But I, I just want to ask you, like, how proud are you of what, what's he's, what he's put together down there in Raleigh? Well, he is a long-term overnight success. 
uh, <laughs> like to like to call him. And you know what? I am proud of my brother Pat. He's worked really hard. He has a system that he has implemented from way back in the day when he was at Binghamton, largely influenced by a guy like Mark Cody, who had a similar system, and he stuck with it. He hasn't vacillated at all, and it's paid a lot of dividends. However, I will say this, that, you know, Pat's tenure as a wrestler um, wasn't what he envisioned. I think he, you know, he felt like he, he had more to, to, to do, and, and it ended with some, not regrets, but disappointment. You know, he, he, he failed to, to be an All-American, and I know that devastated him. Um, but he was still training and living and staying in Stillwater. And one of the discussions that we had right after he was done was, you know, there's so many great guys that are constantly finishing up and then they're going into coaching or they stick around and they wrestle a little bit and then they go into coaching. They said, you know, he kind of fell short in that one area. You didn't, you didn't accomplish uh, the goals, so you may have to expedite that that journey over quicker. You don't have the luxury of sticking around because, you know, your name recognition will fall a little bit. So that may sound um, a little crazy, but he listened to that, and he moved on quickly, and he made sacrifice quickly. He, his first job was the assistant at Sacred Heart under Andy Saris, making $10,000 a year living above a garage um, in, a, you know, an apartment in Fairfield, Connecticut. And I think sometimes people forget about that part of it where he's struggling to survive. And then from there, he became an assistant coach at Army. And then from there, he went to American. And then from there, he went to Binghamton, and then from there, he went, you know, and that's sacrifice. Yeah. You're lifting, you're, you're taking everything you own and moving and starting over and meeting new people. And and it's not overnight, and it's not just uh, you wake up and all good things happen. So I am proud of him. I'm proud of the fact that he, you know, he's kind of, he got after it, and he, he got uncomfortable and was comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah, back when I recruited, Pat was one of the really good guys to me. Like, um, you know, he'd, he'd help me out get in the database. And, you know, junior college, we had no recruiting budget. You know, if he'd let me crash on the couch in his room, stuff like that. And, um, you know, we had mutual friends through Oklahoma State. I just I always remember him being, you know, personally really kind. And uh, But I, he, you're right, he was very systematic. He knew what he was looking for. He knew why he was looking for it. And, um, really determined. So, um, you know, and I'm good for, I have OB on the show every year and, uh, had Frank on the show before and, and, uh, you know, happy for those guys, what they did. So, uh, yeah, they, had a good, they had a good year. I mean, they were, sometimes yeah. you, you know, the, you look, you need a system. Their system is very, uh, unique, not unique, but it's, um, a little different. You know, they, they live, they're real big on uh, lifestyle, um, and it seems to work, you know, at this point, people are drawn to that. So they're getting a certain type of 
a person, I think, to, to go there. But you also need luck a little bit. You know, you need, when all else is going in the right, that positive direction, you also just need some luck. That tournament, the, the NCAA tournament, is tough. It's, it's, it's almost evil. That may be the understatement of the whole interview, yeah. <laughs> it's evil. I guess that's the right thing is evil. And and it's kind of like the Serengeti where you can be the the king, the lion is the king. But God forbid that lion wakes up and he's hurt or he's having a bad day and he's under the weather. The hyenas circle around and they, they'll eat you alive. And that tournament, I think, represents that. And it's uh, – um, you need luck. You need a little bit of luck. And he, I think he had it yeah, along with everything else. So they had a good showing. For sure. So I'm going to read something to the people, and then I just want to ask you a couple questions about this. It says, Journeyman's mission statement is to promote, teach, advocate, and showcase wrestling throughout the Northeast. This has afforded Journeyman Wrestling the ability to help and assist hundreds of wrestlers that would not have otherwise been able to participate in the sport. It has also been a major tool in getting wrestlers into college, a facet of the club that Frank and Journeyman Wrestling as a whole are most proud of. So, I, True. That's a true statement. <laughs> I, I hope so. It's on your website. So, yes. <laughs> I hope you have you know control there. So tell me about the genesis of Journeyman. How did it get started? Where did the name come from? Yep. And then what were the original goals when you guys first created it? Well, it started off. What really started it off was the fact that my brother was getting recruited and we had no idea what we were doing. Zero. We had no idea what reality was, what the truth was, what what the process entailed, nothing. And we learned by going through it and vacillating all over the place. So at one point during the, the process, my brother actually verbally committed one place and he was going to go somewhere else and he had his national letter of intent signed, but then he changed his mind and my dad mailed in the national letter of intent um, unbeknownst to my brother. So we had a big problem, right? <laughs> Major problem. Yeah, that's not thank, a, that's a minor, minor problem. Yeah, it's, yeah, a, it's thank, a contract. Thank, <laughs> the people that we were dealing with were good people and they figured it out and they they honored what his wishes were. But it, it proved that life was disorganized and we were we had no idea what we were doing. So and it was not no nobody was being deceitful or, or dishonest or anything like that. It literally was just lack of communication and lack of leadership, uh, all that kind of stuff. So by the time my brother ends up at Oklahoma State and he starts getting into that system. I go and visit often. Uh, at that point in my life, I wasn't married. I had no family. So I was, I was spending my vacation time learning, and I would go out there in the summers and watch and learn what these guys were doing. And at that point, I realized there was a whole other world out there that I hadn't been exposed to from a technical skill, uh, from technical skill level uh, all the way up to – just philosophies in general, and that inspired me. That really inspired me, and I started to question a lot of things like, hey, what are we learning at home? Who's, who's leading us? What are we doing? How are we doing it? 
and I started making some moves. And what really got me was when I went to a dual meet match. It was between Iowa and Oklahoma State. They were one and two. I can't remember who was one, who was two, but we were in Iowa. It was in the 1990s. It was sold out. There was 15,000 people. It was unbelievable. And the the ambiance and the electricity, the the emotion was so amazing that it that single event completely impacted me where I was like, I need to bring this home. I don't know if I could, and I knew nothing about it, but I was like, I want to create an environment like this. Have I ever created an environment like that? No, I have not, and I don't think many people can. But what I did do was create the Northeast Duels uh, out of that. That's, that is li- literally what created the Northeast Duels after seeing that. And that, you know, Northeast Duels is now going on year 16. So um, there was a little bit of a bridge of time between when I saw it and when I, when I pulled the trigger on it. But that was the genesis behind it. So to all that into, take all that into account, I started a school. Uh, I started a club. That was one of the first things I did, and I wanted to get guys to wrestle in college. I thought that was an important element, and we've been very diligent about that, and we've been pretty good at it, get guys where they belong. How'd the name Journeyman come up? Journeyman. Well, so you can play the game with that, that uh, a wrestler that has has got a long tenure in the sport, you know, like a pro wrestler. They call him a journeyman, yeah, a guy yeah. that's kind of bouncing around. But it's about – so you can play with the word, you know, that it, it lives in the wrestling vocabulary. But for me, it's about the journey that makes us, you know, makes us who we are, makes the man. I so like it. So that's how it – that's the mentality behind journeyman. So from when you first created it to now, obviously there's a lot of things that have – stayed constant have have any of the goals or the processes uh changed just you know through evolving and and seeking higher ground well you're, you're constantly um you're constantly evolving i would hope right uh, it doesn't it doesn't mean you have to abandon you know your your ideals and your system um but you you go you know, you kind of move a little bit. At one point in in my career um, as a motivator and as a coach, I was heavy duty in folk style, like like saying, "This is the way to go. We need to we need to make national champions," and very lukewarm on the freestyle side. I was just lukewarm. It wasn't like I was against it. I just didn't didn't devote as much energy, probably as I should have. And I remember. This is an example of, of evolving, right? Here's I got into a, a royal battle with Terry Brands. At the time, Brands was helping my brother at the Binghamton camp. So, um, you know, part of my brother's success has been that he's been had the ability to, to work in tandem with a guy like Terry Brands, right? right. Who, selfless, actually join you know bringing the Iowa guys to train with the Binghamton guys and then we created a camp in Binghamton and and that's an example of of Terry giving giving back a little bit and my brother benefiting from that and being my brother being open to do that both guys 
So in any event, while we're there, you know, Terry would talk to me and give me wisdom, and I would say things like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm excited. We got this going on. We got that going on, and I'm doing this and that. And he said, well, you know, what about freestyle? What are you doing with freestyle? And I said, yeah, I'm not. I'm, not, I'm really not into it right now. I'm, I'm like, I'm over here, and I want to do this. And he he looked me straight in the face. And he said, wow, you're doing a tremendous disservice to the sport of wrestling. And That's I was the thing like, about Terry. He's always subtle. <laughs> yeah, it was like, like he punched me in my throat. I was, you know, I'm like, I was devastated. I, I, I was trying to reason, and I was trying to explain myself. And in the end, he said, I don't care how you look at it. The bottom line is you, you are personally – putting a ceiling on the athletes that you are leading. And in the end, you're telling them that the, the ceiling is being an NCAA champ, which is great. But if you're going to, if, if you could get to their brain and tell them to be an Olympic or world champ, then, then the NCAA champ would, would kind of fall in line with that. So it was at that day that I changed my mentality. We adjusted we started getting heavily into freestyle, and um, we made, you know, I evolved. I evolved. I, I you know, I was kind of going in this direction, and I got pulled in another direction. And, and we changed, and we adjusted. And, and that's, I think that's one example of many that you can't be too single-minded about too many things. I mean, you got to have a vision, and you got to have a focus, but – you know, you got to keep evolving as well. Yeah, the great, the great ones always do, or you get left behind. So, speaking of evolving and and taking on new things, this past, I guess, just a couple of months ago, in January, you ran the tussle for the troops, or a lot of us call it the spaghetti duel between Pat <laughs> Squad at NC State and, and Oklahoma State in Italy. I mean, it was, it was incredibly well done. Just you know, tell me about it. How did the idea happen? And as a guy that runs much smaller events, I'm always interested in the, some of the behind-the-scenes challenges, like the stories that, you know, to me, you're like that duck going across the water, and it looks real smooth. But I know if it's like me, you're kicking like crazy, and you just don't want anybody to see it. So maybe tell me one or two things that, you know, like some some craziness that people wouldn't know about. Well, yeah, it, it's a, it was a lot of work. Um, however, I would say that, I had, I had the background from a, some of the stuff we were doing all along to make the leap, which didn't seem like that big of a leap when you look and tie them all together. So we've done multiple exchanges, foreign exchanges, and I've done multiple trips to Italy dealing with my buddy, friend, Miguele Liuzzi, who really is my counterpart in Italy. He does similar stuff to what me and you are doing. He puts on events. He runs a club. And he was inspired by us, you know, coming to America, seeing how, how we do things here. And he's brought it back, that mentality over there. So over 14 years of doing stuff with him, the idea had come up like, hey, let's wrestle in an amphitheater, one of those ancient rooms. Wouldn't that be awesome? And we were talking about it. We were working on it, and we were driven to do it. 
And then one day my brother says to me while I'm articulating it to him, he says, why don't we do a college match in there? And that was it. I, I heard that, and I said, let's do it, and I ran with it. <laughs> now, here's the thing. There's so many obstacles when you're dealing culturally, you know, different culture and different different way of life on, on how they operate from from a professional standpoint. And that some of that stuff got in the way of allowing us to fulfill the vision. One, one being that we couldn't access the ruins, or at least after a year and a half of trying. <laughs> and, and I just, so we tried hard to get into the, you know, the archaeological stadiums there, and they, they just wouldn't allow for it. So I knew that it would be a struggle, but you need to plan so far in advance when you're dealing with college teams that you, and you can't have any kind of misstep. So as a backup plan, I knew that there was a naval base, American, or actually it's a NATO naval base uh, in Naples, which is where we were going to plan on doing this anyhow. With that being said, I, I, my backup plan was to wrestle on the naval base, and the backup plan became the front plan, not too deep into it, and we wrestled for the troops, which I thought was a, you know, it, it may have been in high, you know, like in hindsight, it, it looked like a. Um, what am I trying to say? It looked like it was a, a secondary option, but once we started rolling up our sleeves, I realized what an impact this was going to have. Right. And I, and actually, was a better. It was a better plan, and, and and you know how things just work out. Well, this worked out that our backup plan became the front plan, and it was the better plan. So we had a huge impact on the troops. They loved it. Uh, we made some great relationships there. We got to experience some challenges, dealing with the buses, not showing up or breaking down, and, you know, things like that, the adversity. And I think that's what the teams wanted. They wanted to have an element of camaraderie, an element of discomfort, not too, not too uncomfortable, but something that feels like, hey, we're not home. This is not home, um, but it's pretty cool. And we, I thought some of the best part of the trip was that the two teams would eat every day together. We would break bread together. And I thought that was awesome because, you know, we're so geared to, to battle each other with that mentality. And then just take a second and, and be human together. I thought was was really cool, and and that's how you grow. You know, at night we would sit and visit and and talk ideas, and have a platform to learn from one another. And um, I saw that, I got to witness that. And the trip was it was historic. I mean, you you did something that had never been done before, and anytime you're on the right side of history, it's a it's really rewarding. Yeah, I think, you know, like we just ran one in March and. I think you have a very you have a better mature attitude about it than I do because I get done and I know all the work that went into it and then somebody will come up to me and go you know what you should have done and I just feel like saying yeah when we needed help where were you you know I know people mean well but I mean it's it's very impressive not only the execution but the idea uh, you know 
your philosophy and your attitude about it. Because, you know, I, I run a few of these. Uh, Randy Couture and I raise money for his 501c3, uh, the Extreme Couture GI Foundation. And we tried to do some creative things. Um, we've hosted that, that Missouri Border Brawl in the host hotel here in Union Station. But I feel like a lot of what we do, we took a page out of your book and, you know, trying to think outside the box. So, you know, when, where does, where do your great ideas and where does your creativity come from? You. Stop it. Kidding aside, don't we, don't we steal from each other a little bit? This is a right. one-way stealing right now, Frank. I've only <laughs> stolen from you. No, it's so. not true. So, all, I mean, really, let's, let's be honest. So you, we, we have our own ideas. I get that. But. A lot of times you can see something and and recognize that it's really special. And then maybe you got to take two extra steps to put put it in a different place. So, I, for instance, um, Gary Mezzacapo had uh, a tournament called the Iron Horse. Um, and it was, um, whoa, it was a great tournament. It, the whole concept was it was a round robin of just New Jersey guys with – he would pepper in a few other states, you know, guys from New York or Pennsylvania. And I, I really, when I was a part of it for the first time, I, I, I was in awe over the, the concept, and he, he really did a great job with it. And I took that concept and I morphed it into something a little bit different, a little bit um, different category, like uh, our, we had 12-man round robins that we created, still would give you just four matches, but I, I added a little intellectual property to to the idea of what I saw from him. I basically stole the concept from him and morphed it into my vision and became a national and make it a national um, idea, you know, where sure. we're getting guys from 40 different states to be a part of it. And that, that has now become the Journeyman Fall Classic which we do every October. So I basically hijacked his idea, not in a bad way. I give him credit for it, it without a doubt. It wouldn't have come right. to be without his mentality. So I take, I, I think it's, it's a great honor for you to say that, and I appreciate it. And we do the same with others. But you also have to infuse your own vision and your own ideas and in, in doing that. And I, I never stop. I wake up three in the morning. I have ideas. I write them down. I, I, the problem is time. Time becomes the enemy because you don't want to, what you don't want to do is do too much and have other things suffer while you, you try new, new ventures. So I want to make sure that none of that ever gets um, in the way of the stuff that we have on the ground right now. Yeah. That makes no, no, for sure. I, and, I, you know, like I, when you're going through this, the one person I think that on the coaching side that's really been open to creative things is John Smith. I mean, he was part of, you know, the outdoor meet at Carver Hawkeye. He was a part of your event. And he seems like a guy is, you know, obviously old school, you know, probably at this, you know, still at this point, although we have some guys coming up, you know, the greatest American wrestler of all time. He's a guy that's not afraid to be innovative and not afraid to be a part of something innovative. And it's it's probably good that we just give him a shout out here, don't you think? Yeah, no, you listen, you and I visited a little bit while we were at the World Cup and you know, you have some great 
aspirations here about creating some good events. And I think one of the things that I told you is it's not the event itself, like the, the place you're wrestling in or doing. It's convincing the two sides that they should do it. And that's where the, where the magic occurs. I have a great idea, but if I can't convince team one and team two to be a part of it, then it, then it, if it falls on deaf ears and the idea fades away. But if we can get them to do it, well, then the whole world watches and they say, hey, we need more stuff like that. And, and that's the truth. And it is hard. It is hard for these guys to say the word yes. They're under constraints with dates. Number one, number two, they got return dates. Number three, they need home duels. Number four, they have tradition. Tradition kills a lot of things. Well, we've always gone here, so you want me to not go there for the first time in 40-something years? You know, and, and that's hard for somebody to say, I'm going to risk our tradition of doing something and, and the successes that we've had attached to that tradition and try something new. Something that nobody's ever done before. So anytime you do something for the first time, people are cautious. They, you know, they want to kind of see it, see it through first. Right. Yeah. Amen to that. I do understand that. So like you said, you know, when we were in Iowa City, we got a chance to break bread. And you told me a little bit about this. I think it's really unique, this event you have coming up called the Journeyman Cliff Keen World Classic and Duels. First of all, big shout out to Cliff Keen and Tom Keen. Love those people and their family, and they've helped us tremendously with uh, Border Brawl. I, I don't want to mess any of the details up of your event. So just take a few minutes and tell me and the people listening about it. Well, we, we'll go back to the conversation with Brands and him telling me that I've done a disservice. And that motivated me to get to get deep into freestyle. And once I did that, I started to fall in love with the with the whole international scene. And one of the components that that I'm tied to is that I have a guy by the name of Miguelli Liuzzi, who I mentioned before, my Italian counterpart. He stays with me for three months out of the year, maybe even four months. Okay. And He's influenced me. He's impacted me to to see a whole nother part of this and, and see the international side, the cultural side. And by going back and forth, me going there, him coming here, he's connected me to the world. And once you meet these people and the wrestlers, it was like, why why aren't we why aren't we together? Why can't we figure out how to how to get together? And through that I've created this idea that why not have a high school age tournament with the international flair to it? And I did that about three years ago when we brought Russia and a couple other countries over. And at that time, it, it became the first time ever that Russia did, the Russian cadets had ever done a training camp outside of Russia. So I felt really honored that I was able to convince them to be a part of this. And I give a shout-out to Christakis, uh, who he was the team leader for the, the Russian team, that he, he, saw, he saw my vision, you know, and we, we kind of came eye-to-eye with it, and, and it worked. 
I've now taken that idea and really tried to maximize it. And I hope that it benefits the United States of America. So what we've done now is taking that round-robin concept that I got from Gary Mezzacapo and implemented it into a freestyle tournament where we could put people of like quality and kind skill level together and have the ability to wrestle international guys where we know how incredibly tough it would be to have that opportunity. It would be nearly impossible, especially if you're not the number one guy in the United States. Right. It just becomes yeah. nearly impossible. I mean, there's tours out there, and there's people that go overseas. It's not impossible, but it, it's just really cumbersome. So now we're going to allow guys of all walks to have, to have that opportunity to wrestle international guys. And not everybody is great. You're not going to – not everybody's going to be the, the number one Russian or the number one guy from Kyrgyzstan or Kazakhstan. There may be some developing countries in there, like Peru and Bolivia and, you know, Tajikistan. I mean, they're, they're decent, but it's not like they're, they're above us. And, and to, to interrupt for a quick second, that's a good thing as people are listening to this and thinking about, I would think the number one concern I would have if I'm a high school coach or a club coach is, well, you know, my guy took fifth at state. You know, my guy was a one-time state champ. You know, my guy, you know, isn't in the track wrestling top 20 rankings, you know, isn't on anybody's top 100 list. So sure. am I going to yeah. get overwhelmed here? So I think what you're saying is no. That right. So, so the truth is, here's the truth. I have my whole club go. You're going. You're going to do. A, you're going to be a part of it. And they're re at first they were reluctant. I have no business being here. This is this is oh, not for me. And and then the truth is, we put them in the right category. We put them in the right bracket. So you're wrestling like quality and kind. You're going to wrestle somebody else that was fifth in the state or third in the state. You're not going to wrestle a world champion. If you don't belong wrestling a world champion, but you may be on the side of the mat watching the, you know, this heated bout between the, oh, I remember a Ruja, you know, uh, Vito yeah. wrestling, wrestling the Russian competitor. And it was like a war going on. And there was a lot of implications there because his dad, you know, two time world champ from Russia, from the Soviet union, you know, he wanted to bring some, country pride here you know with the united states and watching that match I, re I remember it very clearly it was like a war was going on just pride over pride and the language is being spoken the intensity the, the you know it's on the line kind of a deal well that's much different than you go one mat over and it was just different but you get to experience that and yeah. i'm not sure where else you get to experience it at, at, at a high school level and people love it they really they really do love it. However, there is fear out there that they're going to be overwhelmed. And and I should I should say it. I can't be more clear on it. That fear should subside because we have a plan and we figured it out. So don't think, worry about it. Yeah, I think that's critical, though. I'm glad we got that out on the table. So, um, you know, one of the you know a couple of the other things like, you know, and, and this is sort of my spin on it i'll do a little advertising for you like when people say well gosh you know it's, it's a long way to travel you're doing it that historic herb brooks arena where the 1980 you know russia do you believe in miracles al michaels call game 
you know, and then obviously the gold medal game after that. Um, you know, so it's, you know, Lake Placid, it's not, you know, like if I'm in St. Louis, you know, it's not Chicago. You know, it's not a puddle jumper. But the way I look at it, like I'm really good friends with Terry Pack from Legends of Gold. He just took his team over to uh, the Netherlands. And, you know, he was telling me about how complex that was. And it takes, you know, unless you have the ability to organize something like that, going to your place, it's all, you know, you get the international flavor without having to go through all the rigmarole and the expenses of flying overseas. So, you know, that's one thing. Tell me about some, you know, you mentioned Vito. Tell me about some of the other alumni that have come through that event. Colton Schultz last year won it. Um, Aaron Brooks was in a war with Afa from France. Uh, they wrestled twice, actually, and one was close, and the other one he wore he wore Afa out uh, and, and stuck him. Um, you have Yanni has been there multiple times. You have Vito. You got Busiello has been in there. We've had I, – man, I think there were seven world medalists last year part of it alone last year alone so it was uh mchenry's been a part of it there's been some real studs that have have been a part of it and there's also been 200 other people that you may not know about that are the you know the guys that are aspiring to do something special the american guys that that are on the cusp so there's room there's, you know, there's there's space for those guys like you talked about that may not be world beaters, but then there's spots for the world beaters as well. And I got to imagine, I really got to imagine that that is a tremendous benefit for our American wrestlers to, to get a feel for the guys that are, you know, these international guys. There's It's just a different feel. And for the guys that are at the world level, you're going to see them at the end of the year. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's the same guys. It's the same guys that we're going to see for the most part. So I think we're doing something positive. I think you're right. I think, you know, you may think like, oh, that's so far away. Well, get on an airplane and get into inner Mongolia and see yeah. how that feels. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know? yeah, it's tough. Yeah it's, yeah, it's really tough. Yeah. To have to have eight Mongolians here, you know, go try to do that. It's incredibly difficult. The visa process is incredibly difficult to get all these guys coordinated and get here together. So to, to bring it to New York, I don't think it's – I really don't think it's that big of a stretch. And I need support. We do need support. We need people to believe in this or else ultimately it goes away. And I, I just – I'm passionate about it. So I hope, I hope people kind of respond to the call and, and jump on board with it. For sure, for sure. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why I want to have you on the show because I believe in what you're doing and we want to do our part to help. So two things you said to me – or one thing you said that I agree with 100% and something else I think that comes out of that. You talked about getting the feel, you know, of wrestling an international guy. And, like, literally during the finals, I got lucky. You know, we're sitting in the media section, and, and Mark Perry just decided to sit down there, and he and I are friends. and. I just got the chance to talk to him in between every match for about an hour, you know, when I wasn't run to, running down and interviewing Americans. And, you know, we were talking about, like, the Gilman match and, you know, these guys that are head-pinching and chest-wrapping and, you know, being counter-wrestlers and talking about the feel of these international guys and how, 
the more a guy like Gilman gets to wrestle those guys, the, maybe he lost. But in the, if you're looking at the long game, you know, it's good for him to get those matches in. The, the second thing, which I think is really cool, I've seen it at my events, and I would imagine it's only extrapolated at yours, is the relationships that the kids form with other kids and the coaches form with other coaches. And I would think, like, if I'm a high school coach and, you know, maybe I'm in an area where I don't get a lot of support, you know, like, I, I, you know, in Missouri, there's a lot, you know, uh, a lot of my dad's ex-wrestlers and my ex-wrestlers are coaching in small towns and they don't have a lot of help. I can imagine having like a friend in Azerbaijan, a friend in Kyrgyzstan, and some of these countries you're talking about, that you're able to communicate with them via email or messaging or, you know, Facebook Messenger, whatever the case may be, to talk about how they train guys. And then to be able to tell their kids, look, we're getting advice from Russia, et cetera. I have to imagine the value of that is really high, right? It's spectacular. It's had a huge impact on my club. I mean, really, I mean, we're doing just the other night. I told you, Liuzzi's here from Italy. We're doing laces, you know, uh, leg laces, different kind of leg laces, stuff that I hadn't seen before. And it's just a different feel. It's completely different. And I'm like, where where did you get that from? He's like, well, you know, last month I was in Dagestan. So I picked it up, you know, there from the, from the Russians. And I'm, you know, it's just. It's you steal. We steal a little bit here and we steal a little bit there and you add your little flair to it. But the bottom line is if I didn't have that relationship and then he didn't have that relationship, right, then, then we don't get we don't get that exposure, we don't get that that opportunity to learn that. And you know, the way it is nowadays, when you when you you have the ability to communicate so easily with FaceTime and um WhatsApp, that's another yeah, yeah. Another, way to communicate with these guys heck I, i'm talking to kazakhstan daily every single day i have some level of communication with them um whether it's wanting us to go there whether they want to buy shoes or they want to buy singlets or they want to train together um, they want to train with the senior level and you know it just it provides an opportunity overall our, our base gets expanded and hopefully our country benefits whether it's guys like Oklahoma State, Wisconsin, or Iowa, or Penn State, that, like, these guys want to go train in these places, NC State, wherever. I know my brother just had two guys from France that were training over there. Um, you know, it, it matters. It helps. And why not spread that as much as we can to get, to get better? For sure. I don't, maybe, maybe that sounds crazy. And, you know, I know it gets competitive and people, people are in their own little world, but I don't, I'm not, I don't look at it like that. I think part of my, my job is to break down barriers and, and, and just get better overall. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think one of the things that people maybe cannot fully fathom is the value of being a part of someone else's network. You know, so like you, you know, you and I have, I mean, I remember talking to you a long, long time ago about a kid named yes. Andy Lyman, you know, that we were recruiting. I mean, that's how far back it goes. Oh but yeah, right. Holy that's a, I, I was a recruiting fool, Frank. I don't, I don't forget anybody. Brilliant. <laughs> but, that's brilliant. But, um, you know, to, you know, like we were talking about, you know, how we could help promote your event, how you can help 
me grow grow ours and raise more money for the veterans. And it just takes one good idea, one good network. Hey, I know one person that would sponsor your event. And I, so I think when people want to come to think about coming to your event, it needs to be more than, well, we're going to wrestle for two days. It's going to be, here's what you're going to be inundated with, the relationships you're going to build, and what you're going to take away, not just what you saw for two days, but the relationships you're going to have for the rest of your life. You know, like, like you now if I call you, it's you not, yeah, what do you need versus, oh, I'll get back to that guy when I have time. You know, those kind of things. So if people want to get enrolled or get more information, how do they do that? You can go to the website, journeymanwrestling.com. Uh, look for our tournament section. If you hover over that point, uh, you'll you'll see the World Classic. That's the that's the one that's you know on the on my forefront of our mind right now. That's the one that's getting a lot of attention and that we have to put a lot of energy and and resources in. So that would be great if people were to jump on that and and embrace it. But and life is about look look life is about relationships. That's what it's about and. Uh, like I said to you, it's not the event, like the 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 border brawl and 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 the, where we're going to do it and and it's going to be over here. It's about convincing team one, team two, participant one, participant two to believe in you, that you're going to do what you say you're going to do, and give them a great opportunity to be to, of exposure, you know, and and promote them. And do all the right things. That's where the magic is. So, yeah, it's about the relationship. It's yeah. not about where you're doing it. You're, what you're, you're right. When we did our first one in the host hotel, I was actually down in Oklahoma City for, uh, I think it was Eric Carell's Hall of Fame induction. And Sandy Stevens was there, and I've known her for years. And I, I asked her to be the announcer. I asked Joe Smith if he would be in it. And Joe said, I'll get you anybody you want in Oklahoma. You know, Kate Brock was on his team, stuff like that. And it was like once we had that buy-in, the rest of it was pretty easy. You know, we had a match like Jaden Ironman versus Kate Brock in our first event, you know, and Ed Ed Ruth versus, you know, Jake Herbert, those kind of matches. But um, you're right. It takes takes the relationships and people to buy in. So um, We We started our fall classic, I don't know, we're probably on year six now. Somewhere in there, five, six, somewhere in there. And I had no idea who Mike Powell was. (laughs) And I reached out to him and established a relationship with him and convinced him to come here six years ago. And he's been back every single year. And now, this morning, I wake up with a text message that he's trying, like a son of a gun, to help you know, get some guys from Illinois to be a part of the World Classic. And that's an example of of relationship where he, you know, he's still part of the fabric here. And I feel the same way about him. Somebody so, may have talked to Mike Paul yesterday on their way to the yeah. baseball game for you. That might have happened. I'm just saying. Yeah, I know it did. I know <laughs> so. it did. I, all kidding aside, I know it did. It does. It does but the, the point is without – Without what we've done in the past, and without you, or without the other guy, then maybe it it it, it all now it works. Right now, and that's that's a, a testament to what you're saying relationships. Right. So it, it every time you know you interview people, it's different. So one of the things because you're doing this sort of legacy stuff. So when it's all said and done, 50 years from now, 
how do you want journeyman wrestling and how do you want frank papalizio to be remembered he was first best or different i was right out of loretta lynn's quote right and i want to be i want to do things that other people get tired trying to do or things that people don't want to do or things that people can't do and i i want to do it in spite of that i want to work 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 and um I think I was joking around with you. I may not be the smartest guy. I may not be the fastest guy, but I'll never be out hustled. And I, I sent a picture. You know, we sold like 50 pairs of shoes at the Kazakhstan while I was in Iowa. You know, hustling, like yeah. really moving, not sleeping, just yeah. getting it. And I bring that attitude to when we do events and, and things of that nature. And I want, you know, people need to know that. I want to do it right, and I want to. I want to have an impact. I want to have my legacy is that we're we're promoting the sport as as best we can, and not just to wrestling people, to to other people like those soldiers, many of them troops, they never saw a wrestling match before, ever. So let let that exposure hopefully had an impact on them, and maybe somebody has a has a positive view of wrestling thereafter, and and that's what I want the legacy to be about. And on top of that, I want to impact young people's lives. I want to make sure that they get an education and they use wrestling as that tool to do so. That's awesome. Um, our mutual friend, Lee Pritz, calls you Army, as an army of one, and that you're going to get it done no matter what. And I, I love Pritz, and we talk all the time, but he, he sent me a text. I sent him a picture of us. He's like, oh, dang, you with Army. <laughs> figure out what that meant talk about, talk about a guy he, he doesn't sleep much either no uh, he, I, honestly i can i can ask that guy for help no matter what you know hey i need a number or i'm trying to uh communicate with somebody and it could be like three in the morning his time you know i i send a text at 6 a.m eastern time and he answers <laughs> always he's always working oh i call him the panther because He's on the prowl constantly. <laughs> he, he works hard. He works hard. You guys are the kings of the nicknames. I got to work on yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, got to get better. Got to get better. Yeah. So, well, first of all, let, let's make sure it's Journeymen uh, Wrestling. So, Jay, it's Journeymen with an E, not Journeyman, correct? Just so That's when people correct. are looking it up. So, journey, yes. journeymenwrestling.com, and they just go to the events, and they can find the World Classic. So, um and, you know, if, if they put a message on there or there's a way to reach you directly, you're going to get back to those people. I think it said, like, within 24 hours or something like that, right? Yes, you can. You know, I'm, I'm going to give you my cell phone number. I'm, I'm actually open. People want to text me, call me. I don't care. I'm, I'm accessible. And I'll, I'll do that right now. It's 518-441-2374. And uh, I'm, I'm here. You want to talk about it? You need you got questions? Anything they need, I'm uh, I'm open to it. 518-441-2374. Frank Papalizio, the the creator of Journeyman Wrestling and New York Chapter National Wrestling Hall of Fame inductee 2018. Frank, I'm uh, I'm I'm totally impressed with what you do. I'm pr- I'm proud to call you my friend, and I hope uh, I hope our podcast today helps uh, helps you guys grow your your event even more. Well, I appreciate it. But more importantly, I appreciate the fact that we, we got to actually hang out and get to know one another 
on a much higher level and and got to break bread, which I I I look at you know as a as a great opportunity for me. So thank you, thank you very much, and thanks for what you do. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it, ladies and gentlemen. Frank Papalizio. This is David Maricatani with Matt Chat. Thank you for listening. We'll speak to you all next week. We'll be right back.